there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Blessed Are the Binary Breakers. You might have noticed that I'm posting this episode on a Tuesday instead of a Sunday. That's because I've decided to change the publishing schedule from every other Sunday to every other Tuesday. Based on the past month or so, I think that that schedule will work better for me. Friends, the person we are about to hear from is really, really cool. I was so excited to get to speak with Reverend Josephine Inkpen, who is a priest in the Anglican Church of Australia and who just has some beautiful things to say about um, being transgender and what it means to be a whole faith community that is called to transition, to transform, and to have a God who is also transformative. Um, I just want to give y'all a heads up that I don't know if it's because we were recording from opposite halves of the world or just because the Wi-Fi in my house is really bad, but throughout the episode, you'll occasionally hear some less than wonderful audio quality. Um, I was really worried about having bad quality on her end, but it turns out once I listened back to the episode that a lot of the things that I say have the choppier quality. Um, So I'm so sorry that the audio isn't as good as I would like it to be, but I promise you it is still so worth it um, to listen to Joe speak. So I will make sure to get the transcript for this episode up tomorrow, probably sometime tomorrow evening. at the latest Thursday morning is when I'll be posting a transcript online. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but I have started with each episode. I finished the transcript at the same, like, and published that at the same time that I published the audio episode. Um, this one, this one's transcript is coming out a little later just because my family kept distracting me as I was trying to get that typed out. Um, so that's why it's not coming out at the same exact time, but it will be out at the latest in a couple days. I've been posting those at transchristianity.com slash podcast. My podcast um, description includes that link. So yeah, so sorry about the occasional spotty quality. Most of it's still quite good um, and easy to hear. It's just every now and then words sort of cut out and pop back in. But yeah, get ready because this is a really powerful episode. It's so wonderful to see you. I love your podcast. Yeah. I think you do such fabulous work. I was oh, thinking this oh, morning, it would be lovely to get that if we were all together in one room, having a party mm-hmm. or something. And you could go around with the video camera as well. But it's such a variety. I'm really impressed, you know, in terms of like, you know, um, breaking all sorts of bound- binaries and boundaries. It's, you know, the, the different strands, you know, often you find it'll be from one particular thing, but, you know, you mm-hmm. And But what I, the other thing I find is quite striking is um you know listening to a number of different people is the resonances you know, in different parts of people's stories which you think oh yes I, yes that's that's it you've got it you know <laughs> that's what I yeah, wanted. it's very cool and i'm so excited to be talking to you um you're welcome to share as much about like your personal life as you want i do also think it's cool that you're sort of already to an extent in some pu- public spotlight which means people can go to other sources to find the, yes. the, a lot of the details about your story, which means that, that if you want to share more about like your thoughts on theology, we can yeah. spend a lot of time on that yeah. instead. So it's it's all up to you. But 
yeah, I mean, you listen beautifully, I have to say. That's one of the things, you know, because you give people space to speak. But, I mean, your questions are great, you know, of keeping, you know, keeping people on track. So, I mean, I'm interested, you know, in conversation as well. So if you've got things, you sort of go, oh, wow, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. really into too much of a monologue, but hopefully, but I do speak a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's, a, it's, it's your job to speak the most today. So speak as much <laughs> as you want to. Yeah, so... I mean, you've listened to some of the episodes, so you know that I usually just kind of start with the question of like, what's the first thing right off the bat that you want listeners to know about you? Okay, well, um, my name's Joe, or short for Josephine, there's a story in that as well. Um, and you probably tell from my accent that um, I'm English, that was where I was born, brought up, and I've been in Australia for nearly 20 years. And there's a bit of a story in that as well. Um, and I'm, amongst other things, I'm a priest and I'm married. Um, and apparently I'm the only, or the first, rather, uh, openly transgender priest in Australia, although there's some other folk around and some on the way. Um, so that's been an interesting journey for me as well. Um, yeah, there's lots yeah. of other things I could say. And, and I was reminded, like, listening to some of the podcasts, um, I always think it's sort of a challenge to when you're telling a story of what part of your story you're going to tell or what story am I going to tell. And there's a lovely story of an old monk who every time they go past the mirror, they wink at the reflection in there and go, so you old rogue, who are you going to be today or something? You know, Because I think, oh, I, journey, I think I, what I've discovered and part of the trans journey for me is um, how um, our life is a, a gradual uncovering, as it were, or, or entering into a deeper mystery about ourselves. So... Um, what we say about you know one part of ourselves always there's always sort of that affirms things things I've said but also um, hides a lot of other things you know that um, that that come to come to fruition or whatever so and that's certainly been my possibly my trans journey I suppose you know that some of those things were buried were un, were hidden I didn't have the language for when I was younger um, but they've you know gradually emerged and and it all makes sense and and gives me a, a greater sense of fulfillment and flourishing I think which is part of what I seek for myself and others. Yeah, that is all, all such wonderful stuff. I remember in the email you mentioned sort of that stuff about um, living into mystery, and I love that so much. Um, yeah. Especially like I um, found that article online that where you had an interview a couple of years ago. So was it only just a couple of years ago that you came out to the Anglican Church? It's a bit of a thing. I mean, the Anglican Church, Episcopal Church in the USA, I mean, we, uh -huh. we've made quite a few strides. And, you know, my psychologist will tell me, well, you're quite fortunate, he says, because you are in one of the more liberal churches. And I say, well, yeah, it doesn't feel like that a lot of the time. But yeah. it's a bit of a, a struggle. So, um, yes, yeah, so we have that, that. There's a whole story there about you know, how you negotiate that. And, that, and sadly, you know, as you know, for trans people in most or many circumstances, today, we still have to negotiate these things, which is sort of mm -hmm. crazy, really, isn't it? But yes, that was um, a couple of years ago. Um, although, I, you know, I've been on hormones and other things, um, but actually uh, coming out and then being in the spotlight of things. Because in Australia, in the Anglican Church, I mean, we're a bit of a mix um, generally, which might come back to, but in Australia in general, in, um, we have... Uh, the most, the richest, most powerful Anglican diocese in the world in Sydney, and that's a lot to do with history. Um, and they are, you know, deeply um, conservative, uh, reformed yeah. church. Um, and um, so if they could find a way to get rid of me, I, I think they would. But um, oh, God yeah. is good. And <laughs> yeah, and that's always, that's such a hard spot to be in where 
you know that there are people in this community in your church that should be about sort of sharing um, and bringing life to each other and knowing that some of them would have you leave if they could. Um, yeah. It's so difficult. So it's beautiful that you've been able to um, stay and be that voice. And I know your wife, your wife is also, is she also a priest? I saw she's also. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she was one of the first, she was in the first wave of women who were ordained in England. So we went through that sort of struggle with the ordination of women and things. Wow. And also, yeah. I think she was the second woman to take maternity leave as priest. Okay. And we, we, as a couple, we were quite unusual. So, yes, it, it's sort of, I thought we'd done all the pioneering bit that we were yeah. <laughs> How How long ago was that, that y'all had to fight for women to be priests? Oh, well, that's back. It's about now, I think. Um, uh, well, I mean, from, well, it's in England, I think the first priests were ordained in 1994, in Australia, 1992, in uh, the USA a little early. Um, so it was, it's been a bit of a journey, it's, but, you know, the ba battle throughout you know, our theological college and everything else. And um, I do chuckle now about it a little bit because the Bishop of the, uh, London, who ordained both Penny actually as well as deacon, um, went off to join the uh, Catholic Church because he couldn't cope with the But I do sort of think it's quite funny, really, that he did ordain, well, he might have ordained others, I don't know, but he did ordain a female in me, you know. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it was quite an uncomfortable time. And I felt really very uncomfortable, actually, um, yeah. forward for ordination in the end i did because i decided it was best to have an extra vote <laughs> house of clergy sort of thing you know yes. um but when they were struggling and you know then they went to and fro about things and um at the final vote that went through i mean if, if they hadn't passed that i would have stepped back and and, and only worked as a deacon because it was sort mm. of unjust really and it was doing violence to myself you know because um yeah although i, I mean i hadn't fully articulated you know my my gender identity at that stage because um, i grew up in a little rural um community in uh, in England and, and had a lovely family life in a way, but it was really quite uh, conservative and uh, in, in various different ways. And uh, I mean, you know, when I was, yeah, I mean, it's a familiar story of people my age, really. you know, I mean, gay people, it's, you know, it was illegal to um, do of anything really, never mind um, sexual uh, expression. So uh, yeah, I just didn't have the language for a long time. Um, so I guess part of, what, part of what I feel as a priest and as a preacher, I suppose, is really helping people to explore, um, to find the language that we have um, yeah. in ourselves, to enable people to find their voice and their identity. I think I saw a quote from you where you were telling other Anglican clergy that you feel like coming, finally coming out as trans and being open about it is going to enrich your yes. priesthood. Uh, yes. um, do you want to give some examples for how you have felt your priesthood and your ministry well, it, enriched? I mean, that's what I say. I mean, I think, I mean, still, I, I think there might be a turning point here in Australia. I don't know how it is in the USA, but I, I think for so long, um, gay people as well, but trans people mm -hmm. have, put, um, you know, the sort of the clobber text and all that sort of, you know, yeah. the Catholic theology, you know, intrinsically disordered, all that sort of very badly constructed natural law theology and everything. We fought those things as it were, and we've had to apologize for ourselves. And, and I felt that's that's not right, because I want to give voice, if you like, to use an old Protestant expression, you know, to the gospel that's within me, you know, the faith that's yeah. within me. Um, and so I want to say, I want to celebrate, you know, and, you know, and yeah. we have this thing in the church, you know, there's welcoming churches, which aren't, usually aren't, there's inclusive ones, which 
a sort of inclusive. I don't just want to be included. And usually it means we, we won't really address your real issues and things. And yeah. then there's affirming, which is better. So I think I want to get to celebrating. Um, yes, yes, amen. And I look at things, and you know, it's flourishing. It's that, it's that, I mean, I, I call my website, you know, Transpirit Flourishing, because that's what I think it is. And that's where I think if we shifted, I mean, you know, I mean, I find the Bible comes alive for me, particularly in things that, you know, Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. So what are yes. the fruits? Can you see in the lives of trans? This is the thing for, for me at the end of the day. I mean, we can argue about, you know, what's whether or not our brains are constructed in this way or hormones or whatever. And that's important to, for people to do that research. But at the end of the day, I mean, are we bearing fruits that show, you know, love, justice, peace, and all that sort of thing, patience, and such? That's a difficult one for me. But are those things coming alive? And and that and I see that. I mean, it isn't for everyone, is it? But but on the whole, um, transport. For one thing, <laughs> quite a few of us are alive, and we wouldn't otherwise be. So that's pretty good yeah. stuff. And then the, all the other things, and so um, and that's exciting for other people. And and the more I read it, you know, I mean, I'm not. I'm hardly, you know, the most innovative people in a way, but I do pick up things and communicate them. But, uh, you know, the stories in the, uh, a lot of the stories in the Bible, in New Testament, at least, they're about, um, you know, free people stepping out into a new space, you know, leaving darkness to light, you know, the Nicodemus stuff, yeah. you know, he's stuck, they won't come out. And mm. I think that's, for me, is a gift, that trans people are a gift to the church. Um, because, and, and, you know, we're not the only one, but we... Because we embody the possibility of of that transformation of giving people courage, even if we haven't, got, you know, we've got to hidden for so long sometimes, um, and and the possibility of people being who they are. Because you walk around, you know, lots of people in churches and and in the world generally. I mean, they're you know they're they're often sort of quite quite depressed, you know, because they're not achieving what they would like. You know, when they were a little kid, they wanted to be an artist or something, and they end up being a accountant there's nothing wrong with accountancy as such but if that's if what you know your work your soul longs for is not mm. met eventually you know you're going to wither aren't you and and that's my story and i think that's story for you know for lots of straight people as well that so if they were to sort of see that we and and that we change you know i mean that's a scary yeah. thing for people but i believe that um the heart of it is about transformation you know and lots of people have written about richard raw and other people have, you know books and other things about this but if you look at it and the interfaith i mean it's all about transformation isn't it you know with buddhism or hinduism or, you know and um uh islam in the same way and of, of transformation from um from what was to what might become or what for some people is might be regarded as you know core the base of, of who we are sort of thing and so there are various religions for me are ways into enabling transformation um, and holding it together because it's as we know if you transition it it's quite a scary thing because you you know all sorts of things can be lost including your own sense of identity and purpose so sometimes it's helpful that's what the way i see it with church church, church is there to help everyone if you, as it were to transition into being or to trans into being whatever they are um yeah um and i don't want to imperialize it but i think if people saw it that way you'd start uh -huh. to see that we, you know, we're not just to be tolerated or we're just, you know, the image of God is in us and isn't that nice and we'll go on with usual business, you know. Uh -huh. We have a group, called, which I'm involved in here, which is called Equal Voices, which is our sort of national LGBTIQA body of Christians and allies and stuff. And um, we've got a thing about, um, you know, an equal place at the table, which I agree with. But I quite like to change the table as well. You know, if we're at the table, we might want to extend it and do it differently. Do you know what I mean? Or have different food yes. or talk differently. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we actually, we're not just guests at the table, we're having an actual impact on the table. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And there's yeah. a, you know, interchange of things. And then, you know, that, then that's that, you know, then we move beyond, um, move beyond the binaries and move beyond the boxes that we put with one another in, really. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite fortunate, really. I mean, the Anglican Church is really, and across the world is sort of quite extraordinary, really, and it's got some really horrendous elements in it. Um, mm. Somehow, it's sort of got, um, it's given me space to be who I am, do you know what I mean, to, to throw and as a priest. Um, I do worry sometimes with churches, um, and myself in the past, you know, whether or not it's a bit like living in a, you know, um, an abusive marriage or something, you know, and they give you just enough promise or enough sort of nice things to keep you in, you know, but um, I don't think, I don't think I do ultimately that. So, I mean, coming back to what we said before, I mean, I think what, there's a lot of people and trans people amongst them that I would say are part of, you know, if you look at theologically, a part of what you might say, the new exodus today, exile people in a way, who come out of, um, and some of us are building new communities, you know, so we are entering, you know, new spaces and creating, and we need to, because we can't just live in the wilderness forever. But, um, but that's the core story. It's the big stories of the Bible, I think. we, You know, if, if you're going to be, a Christian, I really don't want to stay as a trans person in the church and be, you know, a tolerated element or even an included element. So I find going back to the stories, um, they come alive in fresh ways, you know, and that's really exciting. Once we, we use our eyes to read the Bible, just as women, you know, women started to read, but and then the stories yeah. make different sense, just as when black people have read them, you know, um, they, they, the stories come alive in a different way, sometimes quite challenging yes. for other people, but, um, but quite liberating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just going back to what you said about like sometimes worrying that staying in the church is like staying in an abusive relationship. I think so many people can resonate that because so many of us have been hurt by the, yeah. these communities. And yeah. yet you have found value in Anglicanism. Um, one thing that you mentioned in your email is seeing something poetic and non-binary about Anglicanism. And I would yeah. love to hear about that. Yes. Well, a few folk have written about it. I mean, one of the interesting things in, in my st different strands of bankers, but a lot of, as, is that there are quite a lot of poets associated with, yes. you know. Um, and, um, and I think it has that kind of a, a character that doesn't mean, I mean, and good poetry in a sense is, it, it has structure. So it's not like it's sort of anything goes, you know, just throw a lot of words out there. So it has a stretch and a rhythms to things, and but it can take slightly different forms and things. But I think, it, unlike prose, which is um, you know very very ordered, doesn't leave well, it doesn't really leave room for mystery and things. I mean, po good poetry breaks breaks things open, both as it were, you know, um, in a sort of a way a way offers great images. Sometimes great poetry and an R. S. Thomas, the great Welsh poet, was a bit like this would speak about darkness and silence and things and take us, you know, to sort of take us beyond the sort of the froth of the world into um, other spaces from which, you know, this, you know, new things can emerge and the depth of mystery and things. So I think that's, um, so, and that's been part of my sort of journey, absolutely, and, and poetry and, um, and, and I, it's a particular sensibility, I suppose. I mean, for me, it's also linked to, you know, some of my Sort of Celtic background and what's and that sort of maybe a romantic romanticism as well, but I think Anglicanism does it's very it's quite legally constructed as well. So it's sort of a balance between uh, realism mm -hmm. and romanticism, I think. 
Um, but as a non-binary thing, I mean, I was struck, I was at a conference earlier in the year, um, National LGBTI QA uh, conference, and, um, and somebody was talking about, and, and some religious folk, because one of the interesting things that seems to me lately is that um, in this, religious folk were asked to speak, because um, some queer folk have caught on that actually, we maybe need to listen to some of the people of faith who are queer as well. Because um, actually, some of us actually may be doing it worse, in fact, than other people, because we're, we're still in the monster, you know, sort of thing. Um, but also, we might have things to say. So these people were talking about that. And I was struck by that. And they were sort of, it was, it was sort of um, quite strongly Protestant and Pentecostal people speaking, and also some Catholics. And they were talking these things and saying these things. And I thought, well, I don't sort of really quite, I mean, I sort of resonate with bits of what I said, but actually you're not really telling my story too much. And then it suddenly struck me how Anglicanism really, in a way, is a sort of a non-binary, if you were, if, you know, if, if denominations had genders, my sort of Anglicanism is sort of, well, yes and no for certain things. I mean, I'm not a non-binary person, so I can, you know, but the way I sort of sense that, there are, there are things we draw or we can identify with in, in difference of both Catholicism and the Reformed tradition. But, you know, the, at the heart of it is that we're Catholic and Reformed. And yes. uh, we've been a lot of other things like that. You know, we're both liturgical, but we're, you know, we're proclamatory as well and all that. But, but I think where we've got to now, this is what we're trying to say to some people in our church, is that, well, if we're basically Catholic and Reformed, then our DNA is, well, non-binary, you know, so you can both be Catholic. It, you can be Catholic and Reformed, or Catholic and Reformed, or beyond Catholic and Reformed. So what is mm -hmm. the problem like with people if they sort of identify with, you know, why do we have to squeeze ourselves into one model of one binary, as it were, or box of things? Oh, that is such a good way of imagining it. Um, I don't know about, probably not in places like England, but in the United States, a lot of people sort of we remember that Protestants exist and we remember that Catholics exist. Mm -hmm. uh, Anglicans are an afterthought, an yeah. Orthodox Christian. We forget they exist. And so we really do have this binary yes. um, where we, we forget, just like in our thoughts about gender, we remember that men and women exist and forget everyone who don't. Yes. If you don't fit just one of those boxes, you're yes. forgotten. You're not part of the conversation. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I love that. Um, analogy that works really, really well. Yes, that's right. And I think it's, it's quite it's a bit of bewildering, you know, and you can't quite place this. I think the people, like, you know, if you don't know how to place people, it's very di different. Yeah. But I think that's, and there's a few other groups, aren't there, that don't quite fit in that sort of way. And, mm -hmm. and, and I do think, you know, I mean, I, you know, as you're aware, I mean, <laughs> it's not where trans women and men are really, but, um, but, you know, there's always that danger. And I worried a little bit about that, you know, about, you know, if I, and living as a woman, whether or not I was just, you know, how much I reinforce the uh, binary in a way sometimes, you know, so say, people say, oh, well, okay, as long as you behave like a woman, then that's oh. fine. Now we can relax again. But I don't want people to relax. You know, I want people still to, <laughs> still want to stir them up. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Not because of my gender, because in really particularly, or if that's a way of doing it, I suppose that's the way it's doing But mm -hmm. But, you know, continually provoke people as well. Don't ask, instead of asking questions about, well, who are you and you're a problem? Well, how about looking at yourself, you know, so that, as I say, looking at and saying, what is, you know, what, what is my calling? What is my, what is the mystery in me? Is there more to me than mm -hmm. given credit for? And are there things that I need to um, not hold on to so much? Because I do think, like, I mean, you know, you've met a lot of them, I expect, um, hopefully not had too much to do with them, but some of these very deeply reactionary people, some of them, 
um, have things inside themselves. That's the only way I can understand some of this. The deep, because it's so visceral, isn't it? The opposition to to, yes. to us in many ways. That it's got. It's more than anything rational. It, and some of it has got to be for some of those people that there's things in their life they have not resolved. And it's not necessarily that they're trans or gay or anything. It might be something else. But they. Mm-hmm. But if they, I think they feel if they accept this at all and you take one brick out of the wall, all of this will come falling out. And yes. it's our job, I suppose, well, it's not our job, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're never going to be free if they're walled up in some sort of horrendous prison. Yeah, and I think that's always a difficult conversation to have is to recognize that our oppressors are also in many ways oppressing themselves because they're mm-hmm. forcing themselves into the same kind of boxes that they force us into. Um, yeah. And it's not to say that they deserve our sympathy or our pity or that yeah. their lives are worse than ours, but it's yeah. just to say that if they can figure out how to, you know, fix their views about us and see things better for us, they're also going to help themselves too in the long yes. run. Yes. Yeah. And there's that funny thing, isn't there, that people have got, I mean, you know, I'm, as I say, I'm English background. I've got this weird thing at the moment, you know, in Britain, there's, you know, where they want to leave um, mm-hmm. European community and everything. And this sort of idea that if you, um, if you give anything to anyone else, you lose, you mm-hmm. know, allow people space to be, you lose, instead of, you know, sovereignty or life being something you accumulate. So um, this sort of idea, you know, that if, if someone's allowed to be who they really are or to be married for instance you know, the marriage thing because we've still got that in our church here equal yeah. marriage that somehow it it sort of reduces the value of us which is sort of very weird isn't it you know so, so yeah. now it is a political thing as well in that sense you know it's that so if we try and build up ireland or france or germany or whatever as part as british people you know helping then somehow that's diminishing britain it isn't yeah. is it it's actually enriching because you've got build you've got stronger partnerships and everything else so that's back to the thing about the flourishing, the gift of trans people, is that if we were fully affirmed, not just included, affirmed and celebrated, then that would actually enrich people's lives, you know. I mean, we have one or two people here, you know, because we've now got you know, married Anglican people, thank God, um, but they're not allowed to be married in our church in Australia. But, but people started having, you know, so they can't have a service, but often one or two parishes around here, they'll have um, parties for people. And they're absolutely fabulous. And, you know, and, and I saw some lovely photos of some people in Newcastle um, who got married, a, a gay couple, a friend of mine. And, um, and they were saying, you know, most of the people at the wedding there, and it was beautiful and it was fabulous celebration. And they said most of the people at this party were, were straight people. And it's all a Jesus thing, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, Jesus was big on the party. What is his, one of his major images for the kingdom of God is the banquet, the feast, the party. And, um, and. You know, and the people who were supposed to come didn't turn up because they're too snooty about it. But but the invitation to people, you know, so, yeah, I mean, you're quite right. So there's not we, there's not a lot of pointers doing much with these horrendous reactionary people, apart from, you know, putting up a big stop sign and thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we have to have it's the two hands and nonviolence, they call it, you know, another hand which sort of offers a way forward. And that's a bit difficult because it can get stamped on and thing. But really, most of the time we we need to be dealing with our stuff and, and, and creating, well not creating, but nurturing the beloved community, you know, with the banquets and everything else, you know, and, and that's what communicates to people, you know, and that's back to the Anglicanism with the poetry a little bit, is that, you know, poetry to its best can also be um, a way into beauty through words, you know, music, I'm not really, I mean, words are more my thing than music and 
Yeah. I really admire that. But that's sort of part of our tradition. The Catholics have got it a little bit, but the Protestants sort of pushed away some of those things. But you know, to sort of help people, if, if you can help people see beauty, um, they will respond to that as well as other things. And um, people won't change, other people won't change, unless we are able to offer something that is inviting, you know, and transformational. And certainly it isn't sort of saying the proper texts are wrong or something, that really won't get us anywhere. But if we can talk about and, and, and embody as well, and create, you know, communities that are, yeah, they are really hospitable and flourishing and, you know, yeah. fun as well. Yeah. Lots of churches aren't, are they? Let's face it, they're quite sort of dour and dowdy. <laughs> and that's, the, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't mean the really reactionary ones. I mean, some of the other ones, you know, they, sort of, they come to worship God, but, you know, you're not really fully letting go. <laughs> you'd want, to, you know, if you're going to have a party party for anyone, you'd, you know, you'd try and do something creative, wouldn't you? But often, you know, you come to worship and have a party with God and, and it's sort of often the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am part of, the Presbyterians, which are known as the frozen chosen. So it takes a lot, it gets, it takes a lot to get us moving and dancing. And yeah. I think a lot of times what it is, is finding new ways to celebrate God and new yeah. ways to see God. The way we do that is inviting people who are transgender, who are queer, people who are enriching the story that, you know, we've spent so long reading the Bible from this white and cis male lens. The more that we expand that, the more we're going to find worth celebrating yes. Yes. about God. So yes. along, along with showing them that we can have a good time, we can also offer this new image of God that's not the old white man who is sort of like Santa Claus up in the clouds watching you and punishing <laughs> you or rewarding you, you know? We have a God who's something bigger than that, um, which I think is a good time to transition to another thing you mentioned in your email, which was God as always transitioning, yes. um, which I, I'm so excited to hear about. Yes, well, someone, I don't know when I got it, it was one of these little, but God's on transitioning. And I think, yes, it, that's, that for me is spot on in a way, in terms of our experience of God. Now, I'm not saying, because, you know, I teach theology and things, so I have to be a little bit careful. But, you know, the Orthodox <laughs> Of sort of God, you know, they made a distinction between what you might call the essence of God in, in God in God's self, you know, the, which is sort of beyond our imagination and everything else. And that sort of never changes. That's sort of like a bottom line for, you know, because there's something. But in terms of the energies of God, which is what we experience, um, they that's dynamic. Well, I mean, I'm not saying the essence of God isn't dynamic in God's self, that's sort of inter-Trinitarian theology. But but the energies, how we experience God is... is um, it's always changing and God is always expressed, you know, because if you see, you see, one of my great heroes um, is a straight man, but um, quite a remarkable uh, priest, Irish priest, poet, philosopher called John O'Donoghue. And, and one of the things he used to say was, um, once you see God as an artist, it could be a poet or musician, whatever, um, once you see God as an artist, everything changes because, um, and, and we have, he said, so much emphasised the will of God um, to the detriment of the imagination of God. And and I think I'm sure there's things to be said eventually about will and judgment and everything. But but we, we have some we need to leave those aside. And so people do see God in a sort of a fixed way, whereas actually God is more like an artist. Or I would even say God is like art, you know, which is um, which is 
well, I mean, what is art? Well, you know, art is truth, beauty, and all those sort of things we talked about. But also it's something we participate in, but might be expressed in very different ways, you know. So, I mean, I see the stories of, you know, as I'm sure you do, as stories of creation as, um, they are sort of works of art, aren't they? You know, the, the you know, Genesis 1, for instance, you know, which some people try and use as some sort of constitutional layout of a mechanics book of how the world was constructed or something. But it's actually is a poem, really, yeah. in a, possibly a liturgical poem. And it's, mm-hmm. um, and, it, and it's a beautiful way of, you know, that got, of, as it were, the divine mystery evolves in society. And um, I don't know all about, you know, all the ins and outs of science, whatever. So I think the image of evolution in a way, or evolving at least, is a beautiful one because I think that's the way. So that, and, and how would you picture that? Well, I think we might picture it, one of the ones, is to picture it as trans or transing. So rather mm-hmm. than sort of like an a trans person. So not, we, I mean, we could talk, I mean, I think this case, we'll come back to that, could talk about, I mean, people have, haven't they, about Jesus as transgender in some way. But I'd want to get beyond that into sort of like God as a whole um, in that dynamic sense. You know, God is a verb rather than a noun. So God is like art, is 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 transient. So everything is always, in a way, uh, transitioning or uh, never being able to be contained. So our churches, um, in a way, uh, when we build walls, especially in Australia sometimes, we have these windows as well in, some, in the old churches. And they're also like old stained glass windows because that's what they had in Europe, so that would be nice. But of course, they miss out on this amazing landscape and everything that we have in Australia. So you're shutting out, you also mean you're putting God in a box, whereas God is in a landscape and everything. And um, whereas, you know, um, the Teze community had some dealings with them, they, had, um, they, they used to have um, part of their church was sort of open on one side, sometimes, you know, put a screen up or something to keep the rain out. But the point was that it was the dynamic of the provisional is what they talked about, is that God is always dynamic. So you can't um, restrict um, God to a box. So if a church is constructed, however beautiful the thing is, it's got, it, you know, it's bounded by that. Whereas God is always sort of at the edges of things. And um, so those who are on the margins, typically, and that seems to me the story in the Bible a lot, they're the ones through whom God works, you know, not because they're necessarily, you know, not so in that sense of trans people. It's not that we're more wonderful than anybody else, but it's because where we are today in our journeys uh, and, you know, socially, politically, culturally, everything, we're in a position where we can be um, the bearers of the new, you know, the, the new art, whatever, you know, the, you know, the new picture of how we might be human beings together. But um, that's quite complicated. So... God is God's always in danger of being excluded, don't you think? From <laughs> not just churches and everything. I mean, from our own lives, you know, where we where we settle for less. Really, we settle for the for our own boxes that someone's constructed for us, or we construct for ourselves, you know, because it brings us power and wealth or whatever. But but then you've given up, I suppose, the art and the beauty and the possibility of of change. Um, so yeah, I think if we saw God as um, Transing, because um, maybe that's better than trans, because you know people start to then start to say, "Well, Jesus didn't look like this or whatever." Um, <laughs> is it's trying to take people beyond that into every aspect of life? Then it might be, uh, you know, one helpful way forward anyway to find you know it's new metaphors, new language for for exploring mystery today and and affirming what and celebrating what's actually happening, what God is doing, you know, which is usually or often outside the church um, but it does happen in the church as well and I suppose we as theologians you know like so 
you know, we're we're in a place where we we're not exactly art, but hopefully we're more than art critics. We're actually <laughs> artists as well. But we we actually help to help people to see um, what is actually being created. You know, what is what what this transing um, mystery of God is about, really. Yeah, I've really just you're throwing so many beautiful images of God at me, <laughs> like that. God isn't just an artist, that God is art, um, is so mm -hmm. powerful when we think of just what art can be and like how we do all interpret it so differently. And that doesn't mean that there's only one right way. Um, mm -hmm. And then just you saying like, God is in danger of being excluded a lot. That's, yeah. yes. that's, I think yeah. that's, I mean, I think, you know, I was thinking about what we said earlier about, you know, how we communicate and how we, um, how we portray God as well. And I think mm -hmm. that is, at the risk of being sort of racist, my own thing. But I think is that, you know, people from other than white cultures mm -hmm. have sometimes have um, aspects of a greater embodiment in the way in which they do theology, worship, life and stuff. You know what you were saying? Because, you know, a lot of it's it's interesting because, you know, most Anglicans now are African or something else. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Sudanese, because we've got, you know, lots of mixture of peoples here. And the Sudanese, Sudanese find it quite strange because we're so bound, you know, we, we don't move and we're all in our heads and everything. You know, yes. and our Aboriginal people and Torres Strait people, and it's about movement and dance, you know, dance. And, and they also think, and they can write as well, um, mm -hmm. but um, our theology is done through the body. And maybe that's another gift, I think, of trans people in that, because we're saying that um, whereas our bodies are problematized by people, you know, because we're, they're not right, they're fallen or broken, it's awful sort of terminology. But actually, we're saying, no, in fact, this is how God is made alive in us. You know, yes. that's what's... So I'm flourishing now through my body, you know. And, I mean, I don't know how you... It was part of the journey, wasn't it? You know, when people used to talk about being born in the wrong body or something. And people said to me, so that means you're born in the wrong body. You've always thought you're born in... I said, no, not really. I feel my life, my transitioning and everything, um, but broader than just my gender, is that I'm incarnating, you know, that's, yeah. that's the, which is, you know, central image of God, is that um, I'm gradually becoming more human. That's part of the task of the church, rather than sort of talking about becoming, like a lot of the time, our problem is actually becoming more human. So, and in my case, part of that was my transitioning so that I, I feel I enter into what my body should be not because like there's one male body and a female body and I need to get out of one box and into another, but because there's some aspects of myself I've always been happy with, but others not. So why not change that in alignment? So that sort of body theology of incarnation, you know, you can apply that to a wider world, such as say the body politic or something and say, well, it's not that we need to jump out completely from one sort of state of economy or something to another, but we... Mm -hmm. But this economy is constraining us in what's name and we don't need to get to politics. That's what I think. Um, and so so we need to change things in the economy in order that we reach, we nurture shalom, you know, we flourish better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so again, that's a transit. So how does the economy trans, as it were, how does it trans yeah. into something else? And that's a lot of the time, you know, we, we've just had an election, which sadly didn't go the way a lot of people wanted. Um, and, and that's because lots of people in my state and further north were attached to a sort of a model that were frightened because they felt that the only way forward was, you know, to do more and more mining and things like that. But because um, there was no other way forward or, or they hadn't yet evolved, um, 
you know, they couldn't see how they could live differently, even though they know this this model, this body that the economy they live in isn't um, doesn't work for them anymore, and it's actually yeah. destructive for them as well as other people. But how do you live in a body that you know where you do live at peace with the earth and all the other things, you know, and and your gifts, you know, instead of digging things out of the earth, you're building, you're creating something beautiful, and mm. you know, not can be a builder of wonderful structures or something or you know communities and things like that which are you know a lot of um less intellectual people have a lot of you know have capacity to do to create beautiful things rather than you know just be workers in a you know profit making machine sort of thing which is what mm -hmm. we're how did expect yeah. it into economy how did i drive <laughs> 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 yeah. i think is that's what i'm saying yeah gifts of um transfer i mean i do think that's why we're quite offensive to a lot of people is because because mm -hmm. you have to say really honestly there aren't that many of us i mean i know there's more and more coming out thank god mm -hmm. but we reach a point where you know we're only a fragment of, of the population and and you know we're a bit of a mix really aren't we because you know we argue amongst ourselves if we would oh absolutely <laughs> but i think it's so it can't be our numbers or anything like that but i think mm -hmm. it's because we we we're you know we challenge people with what actually deep down everybody knows is that mm -hmm. the system doesn't work, our bodies don't work, our world doesn't work unless we concentrate on the things that really matter. And I suppose in our own way, uh, some stage, you know, we've had to make a choice between life and death in a way, between, you know, what mm. will be life giving and what will be death dealing. Um, and that's in a way, and it's a profound spiritual religious thing, I think. Um, yeah. And I really, I love how you sort of um, branched off and start talking about the economy and politics um, because it shows how you see being trans as sort of fitting into a whole variety of aspects of life instead of it only being about um, the things that people who are offended by us see, which is that we're just medically transitioning and that's the whole story when it's not at all. There's so much more to it, especially because some of us don't transition medically for a whole variety of reasons yeah and so realizing like that's part of it but there's so much more to it um and that it really can be something we bring out into our whole life and into our communities is really cool to hear about mm. Mm. for me that's the i mean i've always felt i mean i think it is for gay people as well but mm -hmm. i've always felt strongly that there is with a small s because i don't like to imperialize other people's life but that mm -hmm. a lot of our journey is, as you've said, it's not people, a lot of people think it's a body thing. And I think it's as much as mm -hmm. actually a spirit thing. And that's mm -hmm. a lot of trans. I went at one stage a few years ago and it was a, sort of a water, one of the watersheds in my life um, to, a comp, to a sort of, well, it was more like a cross between a conference and a party thing, really, um, for a day, retreat thing. My wife said she came with me and she said there was all these trans people there at various different sort of steps of the journey and things. And, that, and she said it was a bit like a retreat, a religious retreat. People were, they were, they were doing so much personal work yeah. about who they were and how they related to other people and how they could bear with suffering and challenge and courage and a whole lot of other things and all the sort of virtues of religious, spiritual virtues and doing all mm -hmm. of those things. And we were sort of like together, we all were doing our own stuff in a way, but, um, but we were also helping one another. I wouldn't want to overstate the thing because, thank God, there was lots of fun and what's the same thing. But actually, yeah. reflecting theologically, that's what was happening. And I think that's 
a lot of I think that's what um, we do in general that's what I've experienced with trans people is that we are actually um, serious maybe isn't the right word but we're, we're we are really quite um, we have to do that deep down work in a way yeah. that uh, maybe it is because of the body but it's actually I think it's much more than that and yeah we don't yeah. really understand that you know and, and people think we're obsessed with the flesh as it were when in fact <laughs> many about the spirit you know they're the ones mm -hmm. who Flesh. I mean, who? I mean, really, does it matter what who's got what genitals and everything else? But they're hung mm. up on. It, whereas we're sort of wanting to look at the big things, all those, you know, the things, mm -hmm. that, the things of the spirit, really. You know. Yeah, I agree with you that we're often doing the spiritual work because we can't avoid it. Yeah, other people sometimes can avoid it, and we have to face it head on, um, yes. and find out. Like, I think we definitely become concerned with the body and. I don't yes. think that's, like you said, embodying spirituality is not a bad thing. No, um, no, before, I, before I realized I was queer, um, I grew up Catholic. And so I had read all these old saints who would, you know, sort of um, hurt their flesh and avoid their flesh and fast and stuff mm. um, because they saw flesh as completely evil and negative and against the spirit. I was forced to re consider well maybe flesh can be used for the spirit that these two things can be intertwined yeah. not just my own flesh but a whole a whole body of christ um yes. that we're all connected socially spiritually physically yeah um and i never would have done that work if i were not queer and especially yes. trans yeah that's right and it's a beautiful gift isn't it i mean your mm -hmm. story because you've mm -hmm. done that that point of it you, you know um, so there's things you can see and you know i mean you've I'm sure that you'd say, you know, you might be in a Presbyterian box in one sense of mind, but you're still Catholic. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, yes. um, and so, so there's things to say, because I think, you know, there's, in a way, in the ultimate sense of things, though denominations obviously don't mean um, anything, um, mm -hmm. but what's valuable in them, you know, in the Catholic tradition, I'm sure that you'd say, you know, you might be in a Presbyterian box in one sense of mind, but you're still <laughs> Catholic. Do you know what I mean? You know, yes. Um, <laughs> so, so there's things to say, because I think, you know, there's, in a way, in the ultimate sense of things, though denominations obviously don't mean um, anything, um, mm -hmm. but what's valuable in them, you know, in the Catholic tradition, in that sense, you know, that's important to me in Orthodox, is that, you know, some of the great, what's called dogmas or doctrines of the church, I mean, they're intensely queer, aren't they? I mean, you know, the birds yes. birds. Wow. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Can anybody be a, you know, someone who claims to be, you know, we want to defend Christian orthodoxy and they're defending the virgin birth. They're defending, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the pictures, all that. Sort of, I mean, I know you probably talked about this with people before, but, you know, all of those great things, you know, how you can be one, you, know, you can be both human and divine. So what are you talking about? Two natures. So how can you be that? You know, I mean, what on yes. earth are we worried about non-binary? If, if that's at the heart of our faith, that Jesus in some sense is beyond all yes. of that. Yes. Um, he came and he broke through all the most important binaries. Yes, that's of, right. Yeah, of creator versus creation and then life versus death. Yes. He just came and plowed right through those. So why are we so tied up on what's in people's pants? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is, I think it's scary that because we're born into these societies where we're steeped in these ideas that like these things do matter and they're just how things are and so when you realize that you can think bigger it's scary yes yeah that's right and which is another aspect of transing you see because you know the words about uh, some of our folk in the anglican church 
in Australia. I mean, they're big on the Reformation and they want to oh. go back to the Reformation, which is a bit weird, really, when you think about it, because, as you know, it's from the Presbyterian point of view, the point about the Reformation was that it was about change. I mean, I know they were yes. back to look at the world thing, but they changed all sorts of things, especially when it comes to marriage and things. I mean, it was a radical revolution, you know, and you put things into the language of the people and all that sort of thing. So um, you're taking seriously the new learning of the time. So why aren't we doing that? So I think what they're yes. talking about is the deformation, actually, of things. But I was thinking about this further, and actually I thought, in fact, what we need is you know, and I'm playing with words a bit here, but we don't want a reformation, nor do we want the deformation, but we want a transformation, which oh, is yeah. not, and the word is important because it's not re, in a way, because re is just going back as if there was an ideal past and everything, and everything was pure in the first centuries of the church, and I teach that, and one of my students, the best students I ever had the first year, and they said, oh, I, I'm so disappointed by this course, and I said, why? And they said, because... Um, and I thought, oh no, and I've done something wrong. And they said, no, they said it was because they discovered that there was no perfect time when the church, uh -huh. we still have that idea when we think about a reformation, you know, reformation. but trans is going, trans is beyond, isn't it? That's what I yes. was saying. Yeah. For all of us, it's a calling to us uh -huh. to go beyond what we already are, you know, and, um, and that would worry me a little bit with some trans pe people, if, you know, that's hopefully... If people need to do surgical transition or whatever else, they get all that out of it. But that they don't stop thinking that now, you know, now they've arrived. You know, I mean, I read yes. looking at some, about a few years ago and, um, you know, about um, gender surgery, um, male to female. And, and people are talking about crossing the finishing line. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, isn't it? You know, as a human, you cross because you've had a, a back to the flesh. You've had a flesh, an operation of the flesh that somehow you've been, which is not to deny what we've said about the embodying. That you'd sort of hope that as a trans person you somehow learn how to um trans a bit you know? <laughs> so yes yeah transing and encourage other mm -hmm. people which doesn't mean that you, you you know you shouldn't just that hopefully you've reached a state of peace because that you know mm -hmm. that's what I said before about you know um what i've said what i've said to people about you know my journey is that i mean i think i'm a better priest i'm definitely a better um you know spouse lover and think to my to my wife and uh, to, you know parents and everything but i mean better myself because i've got peace because i spent lots of my life running you know literally yes. uh, from one place to another to avoid to avoid god you know in that um and you're hiding from god and it's very sad really um, yeah i like that a lot that idea that like the Presbyterian and the Reformed motto is to be Reformed and always being Reformed. But I, mm -hmm. I like it the way you are thinking, being transformed um, and yes. always being transformed. Yes. Yeah. And that's that it I'm should saying. be contiguous. Yes, that's right. I mean, I, and, and, and I'm not saying, you know, the past is important because, you know, that's back to our story, you know, and people have different experiences, don't they? But, you know, mm -hmm. I would... Um, I don't regret a lot of things that, you know, that's the thing for lots of trans people say. I don't regret a lot of things that happened in my former life, as it were. Um, uh -huh. uh, and I don't like people using my old name and things. But, you know, there, there's stuff you could you draw on and, and things that uh, that give you life there really a little bit. But, I mean, Luther's thing, isn't it? Well, didn't he say something like, we're to be se semper raffamandum, you know, always reforming. Yes. And that's uh -huh. what's, I mean, really, it's trans transformation he said um that's so that dynamic sense of faith you know that and, and sadly not perhaps calvin but i think some of the calvinists and so on turned it into a systematized that you know in a way that uh -huh. 
Luther certainly didn't intend, and I don't think Calvin did really at best. I think he wanted to, you know, help people enter into the mystery, you know, and, and the light beyond the darkness and all that sort of thing. Mm. We've talked about so much great stuff. Um, and I think on your list of um, themes you wanted to sort of cover, I think we've gotten to at least kind of visit quite a few of them. Yes. Um, no, no, so they sort of interconnect really in a way. Yes. I think. Yeah. And, you know, my yeah. own personal story, I mean, as I said before, I'd, um, and I mean, I threw that out really, but I mean, I have done a lot of running in the past, and it is sort of like mm -hmm. one place to another. Um, uh, but I've had to cross a lot of boundaries really in my life. Um, and, you know, an emigration was one of them. You know, that was another big, and that slowed me up, you know, because I was really, I was coming out of it. But my children got ill. So, um, mm. long story, but we had to move to Australia, and which has been, beautiful thing on all sorts of different levels but it we were sort of then we're back to starting again you know my wife had a job i didn't have a job i was looking out for the kids so um i've sort of put things on hold um but that was an interesting experience and you know obviously coming from england to australia is not such a big cultural shift as some but it is it is a shift on lots of things when you're given all your contacts and things so there's um, but I did a lot of work on ecumenical work. I worked for the National Council of Churches in Australia and then um, and, and interfaith work as well. Um, and with the National Council of Church, I also did quite a lot of work with um, uh, rec Australian reconciliation, trying to bring together, you know, white Christians and Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Christians and others. Um, and, um, and so a lot of that has been sort of, I realised in my life that because I'd lived, I got when I was younger, I had to live in one, as it were, in one culture, the male, even though I didn't really identify with that. Um, but that, I spent lots of time trying to interpret <laughs> for men things that I didn't really understand. And that's, and that's why I think I've probably, and others have said this, some other trans priests have said this, is that in a way that's a bit of a gift if you're in a congregation, because you're speaking to a lot of people who are not the same as you. And so if you've had the experience of standing in a place yeah, you know, doing that sort of interpretation, and it it, it gives you those sort of gifts. And, and even today, when I mean, I do quite a bit of work with our sort of reconciliation action plan chair, I think in our diocese, working with average people, trying to improve situations. And I find one of the things I find, and I've been struck lately by the fact that when I've been in gatherings with Aboriginal people, white white people, of noticing much more through my queer journey as well that. The sort of things that happen to us, the way in which we're treated and not respected or we're silenced or people interpret us and whatever, is exactly what white, well, very similar, which is not exactly what it is, it's, it's very similar to what white people do to um, mm. Aboriginal and people. Um, and we'd actually, we think, we, we interpret, we think we hear what people are saying and we're not actually hearing at all. And uh. um, it's, being, it's quite humbling to do this work because I realised, you know, there's this, then I have to, you know, it's sort of challenging, um, you know, I realise how, you know, my whiteness is actually getting in the way, you know, so, mm -hmm. which is sort of quite good because sometimes I think, you know, as queer people, we can get, there's a tendency sometimes, you know, I sort of, in some parts of the community to get a little bit self-righteous about it. Yeah. But in fact, um, well, you know, obviously, if you're black or other characteristics of you, make it more complicated and that it is it really does need to be an intersectional yes approach um and that you know i'm increasingly aware of how white you know the um mainstream queer community is in australia mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and, and efforts been made and, and it's changing slowly. But, you know, um, I think it's true that the greatest number of proportion of gender diverse people in Australia are actually in the TV islands, you know, they're part, they're part mm. of the African community there. And which mm -hmm. is a bit of a shock to a lot of white people, you know, conservative white people, because they think that, um, you know, it's it's being trans is some sort of um, modern or postmodern. Yes. Well, you know, white Western people. But um, in fact, of course, it's, you know, embodied in lots of cultures, and especially in Australia, you know, because we've mm -hmm. got so many islanders and Asian people, is that, you know, we, we realise that actually white Western culture is the problem and that, you know, mm -hmm. that so, um, and that's part, of, I suppose that's part of the, I'm going off to tangent here a little bit, aren't I? But I mean, it's part of that transing again for me is that, you know, well, yeah, I've completed this stage of my journey, as it were, or mm -hmm. completed it, but, I've, you know, I've been on, but there's other aspects of learning and the things that I've learned as a trans person might resonate with other things. Um, so then that maybe I need now to, I mean, we still have to stick up for ourselves a lot of things, but we also need to build um, good, you know, good solidarity with other people, um, especially those who, you know, probably doing it a lot worse than people like myself, or you know, in a job and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah, that is, and that is a big issue in the United States as well, um, that a lot of LGBT organizations even if they don't, you know, they don't realize it, but it's so white-centered. Yes. Yeah. It is, it is interesting to hear in Australia how that sort of, there's differences and similarities. Um, and and it's, it's complicated, isn't it? I mean, we've got at the mm -hmm. moment, we had a very good, very fine footballer, rugby player, and he sort of has issued some things on social media, um, you know, condemnatory things about including homosexuals and you know contractual issue and other and it's been blown up in the media but he's a pacific mm -hmm. islander and so it's complicated because he's you know a committed christian whatever not obviously not mm -hmm. a lot of energy um from other things he said but um but he would say that this you know the people want to sort of shut him up and everything um but he's saying well this is actually an attack on pacific islanders you know many of them are christian so you've mm -hmm. got that it's mixed in isn't it i mean yeah sometimes it's the fault of Western imperialism that we went and taught people all these awful things and now it's coming back to bite. Uh -huh. Like folk like in the Anglican church, you know, the Africans were taught this, that and the other and now a lot of them are saying, you know, well, you know, we're you're the ones who are now um, off beam. But yes. it's, well, it's on people like, you know, in the Pacific because, you know, we've got close relationship there. Um, you know, Fafafini and people like that, um, gender diverse people who yeah. for whom culture, the Pacific culture is not a problem at all. But it's mm. when they step inside a church, mm. even if Pacific led, Pacific Islander led is, is problematic. So thank God there are, you know, people, but those voices, I think, need to be heard more and more, you know. Um, Absolutely. And do you think, um, so one thing I think you mentioned in your email is that you've been elected as a representative to the Synod in Australia. Do you think that's sort of one of the issues that needs to be discussed more? Um, and what, what are you planning to do or have already done? Yes, well, it's a big step it, in a yeah. way. Well, it's not a big, but in a way, it's, it's like the moon landing, isn't it? It's a, yeah. it's a small step for whatever trans mm. people, but, but I yeah. think it's, it's, it's a, a step forward um and i it's been quite affirming for me you know because when i first came out i thought well, you know there was difficult you know maybe they would get rid of me or whatever mm -hmm. um so it's affirmation from my area of the church so it puts me into a space which um 
you know, where I'm visible. I mean, I stood partly because it, and for some, some, I mean, I wouldn't put some lots of people, but I think trans people, we do have to stand up and, because if we don't stand up and say things, then, mm-hmm. and, uh, then we just ignore. So next year we have, um, they, they're going to have a conference, it's all slightly vague at the moment, but um, about sexuality and, gen- and marriage. And so um, I'm really glad to be officially on, you know, on that box. It'll be easier, harder for them to keep me out of that. And we've had this awful thing. And the bishops have talked a lot in our church and in our country, but they haven't really talked to other people. And then they had a doctrine commission group that wrote a book that's just come out about sexuality and marriage and things. But um, I mean, maybe one or two of them are closeted queer people. I don't know. But they have eight or nine writers and every single one of none of them are, you know, identified queer person. Oh, and you wow. think, what is happening here? You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, and I've said we've tried to say to them, the voice script at some parts of we've said to them, you know, well, you wouldn't do this with Aboriginal people. I mean, they used to. You wouldn't do this yeah. with Aboriginal people today. If you were talking about Aboriginal people, you would have them at the centre of it and they would be shaping the thing. Yeah, hopefully, so that, yeah. I'm looking at doing at the moment, we're exploring See if we can get a book together which tells our own story and theology, yes. but our own stories. Because what won't be in this book and things, and, and hardly ever is, is the faith stories and experience of people is excluded, isn't it? Really, that's mm-hmm. the thing. And there, the, and, and there's good reason because if people hear those stories, then they hear God in people rather than uh, yes, yeah. or they think about unity. So we're still framed to some degree in that. Uh, you know, we are the Archbishop of Canterbury said about these sort of things. He said that in these issues, there are no problems, there are only people. But the problem is that he doesn't live up to it himself sometimes. Yeah. And certainly that's true, but but we're still treating trans people as problems rather than people. And so until yes. we ship, but part of the answer to that, as you said, is what we do as trans people. And, and we have to protect and nurture ourselves. And everything. But I think we, if we're in a group and we've still got a commitment to it, and then some days you wonder, that argument. We need to be people, we need to be visible people, and we need to act um, rather than just being treated as problems. So, yeah, so um, that's the that's the challenge. So, but it's, it's exciting to me, I think, in yeah. a way. Yeah. I mean, I go around, people contact me from all sorts of places now, and uh-huh. read trans people popping up all over the place, you know, in all kinds yeah. of unlikely things. And I did a thing in Newcastle recently. Um, for a Baptist church, and they had a whole weekend on Christianity and transgender people. Now, I've, very few Anglican churches would dare to do that. Um, this is a Baptist church, you know, and a friend of mine who's, a, you know, sort of Pentecostal, and they they came out as trans and they told their story and their oh. conversion stories, well, Christian story. And I just sort of think that um, that's the hopeful thing that, despite whatever the Catholic Church or other people will write officially, that uh-huh. underneath, you know, this is what this is. The change is happening, um, but it's sometimes it's so painfully slow, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, very much. Yeah, so slow. And it's it reminds me of what you said about way back when you were sort of like what in the 90s dealing with um, the issue of getting women to be ordained. Um, and you mentioned like you could leave, but um, instead of getting ordained, like if you got ordained, then you could vote on the issue. So yeah. like when we... Like, I don't blame people who do do leave, but when we decide to stay, it means we can sort of force them to let us have a stake in the matter and yeah. act- actually say something about it. Um, That's right. Yeah. And being creative as well. I think one of the things that we learned from the ordination of women was, um, mm-hmm. 
you can't just play the game. And mm. if you go through the processes, and in the, in the ordination when we got a lot of media publicity because the church mattered more to people. And the problem at the minute, I think, with churches is that the churches have receded in sort of yeah. esteem, in the, even in America. Okay. So that actually, well, what happens in the churches is not a concern to, the, to a lot of people in the wider society, whereas it was back there with the ordination of women. So people were sort of put pressure on, if you see what I mean, the media were more interested, put pressure on the church to budge. And so some of the sort of mm -hmm. middle ground sort of say, well, it's easier for us just to fix this. So we have to be um, creative and, out, and we can't just play the game. A friend of mine who's my sort of mentor, really, she trans priest, one of the first trans priests in England, and she's been absolutely gorgeous. And she's written books and things, a wonderful woman, Tina Beardsley. And she um, was part of a process in, in England, which looked a really good one by the Church of England. And, and they take time and they involve theologians, they involved queer people and everything else. But she had to step away from it because um, she was the leading trans person. Because yeah. she said um, it, it was structured. It, it, at the end of the day, there was still this power and control. Uh -huh. um, so she's still still working at it. But but you have to step up and say, well, it's not. Sometimes you have to say a process is unjust. Right. So we don't participate in it. That doesn't necessarily mean to say we leave altogether, but we create something else which is far more vibrant. And, right. You know, yeah. life because otherwise they just suck the energy from you. I think and churches do mm -hmm. that very successfully. All sorts of you know more pathetic people. Yeah, I think it's it's always so contextual, deciding mm. sort of which step needs to be taken, whether there's a chance at changing things, and so you yeah. need to pour your energy into fixing it, or whether it is so yeah. it's time to step away that you don't want to be complicit in something that is unjust, um, especially right. especially when there's no not as much hope of changing it. Um, That's right. And that and that is about and that is a spiritual thing, isn't it? Yes. Like for the for for queer community, I think. I mean, we're having a little issue at the moment here, a uh, bit of tension amongst people generally over how we respond to, to the current government's sort of proposals over religious discrimination and things. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting. I think it's a conversation, and it's centered around you know what place should religious people have some protections and things. Mm -hmm. Some. Uh, queer people say no no you've got religious freedom you don't need to be worried about that and if we sort of support anything for that then that will support you know and enable the right wing to get lots mm. of what's in but some of us are saying no hang on a minute we actually want to be heard here and that if you're going to have um you know freedom laws for and rights to people it does need to include a recognition of re religion as well because actually some of us are more impressed in some ways than you are because we're in this monster thing and we are restricted and things and we want to have some rights to enable us to stand up against these right-wing religious yeah. people so it's quite a complicated matter but at the heart of it i think in that is irrespective of the issue is um how people across a community in this case the queer community recognize that for some people um that there needs to be some sort of dialogue or, or it's again, it's the sort of the realism and the <clears throat> sort of revolutionary sort of thing is that some people need to push out and be creative and um, pure and essentially oppositionist. But you also need some people within the system who are going to try and, um, you know, do things. And in relationship to the church, that's a similar sort of thing. It's like the church has never changed without, it's always changed from the from the margins, you know, from mm. the who rise up, whoever they are. Yeah. Um, 
women, Francis, all those sorts of people in the past that's done stuff, um, transformative people. But it also needs people within it. You know, that's my, you know, my yeah. only hope for the Catholic Church. You know, I mean, there are people like Pope Francis, who I know is a bit of a mixed bag, but mm -hmm. people in the Vatican, you hope, you know, um, so, I mean, I pray and sort of try and support my Catholic friends, you know, gay Catholics who are involved, and you, it's hard going, but um, mm -hmm. it would make such a difference to the rest of us, wouldn't it, if the Catholic yes. Church these things, because we, we, you know, this is why it is a, it's a solidarity of things that, and I think that's what I try and say to secularist queer people as well, is that, you know, you need us. You might think we're completely batty and maybe we are. <laughs> yeah. You actually need us because um, whilst this, the church is transphobic and everything, you suffer and you'll continue to suffer. If we yeah. could help to change things, even if you think we're wrong and everything, um, this, and we'll take up some of the energy of these people, you know, uh -huh. that don't need to deal with it. And then you can go on and create some fresh space and things. But it's, we don't, we shouldn't have to do that, should we? You know, um, uh -huh. in the community and things over people, well, you've sold out or, you know, you, you know, you're not properly free or, you know, you guys are, you know, just bigoted about religion or something, things, you know. Uh -huh. So it is a bit, it is a bit, because I, I, I do find myself in a difficult position on that, you know, mm -hmm. I get attacks from some queer people. About, and I think that's quite a difficult position sometimes for people to handle, you know, when you're getting so much rubbish from one side. Yeah, um, it is. The friends, your community isn't always supportive. Do you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's like, it's that idea of breaking binaries again where people say you cannot be both queer and christian yes. or queer and religious and so being in that in-between space where you're both is really right. difficult um yeah. just thank you so much for all of your thoughts like i feel so enriched just getting to hear everything <laughs> and i'm definitely as i go back and edit this episode i'm gonna just be pausing it to think about it you know listening to your, the podcast and so i mean i like the residents, I said, oh yes, that's that's the thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's this. I mean, you know, what I say is, I mean, I go off on tangents, but it's a product <laughs> of different conversation. You know, that's what mm -hmm. we are, is really we, that you know, because we've got this ridiculous idea that every person, this sort of you know, um, Protestant sort of strong individualist thing, mm -hmm. we're all a products of a conversation. And that's the exciting yeah. thing. One of the exciting things to think about queer community and what what you're enabling is brilliant. That's the conversation from so many different strands and places, mm -hmm. which enriches um, sometimes the challenges, sometimes the puzzles. But if we can treat that in that way, then we, you know, we'll get a little bit further with humanity and hope. <laughs> yeah, you probably know. I usually end with just if there's one last thing you would like to say, a um, little bit of wisdom to share with trans people. Yes. What would it be? I think I'd go back to but I think I'd go back to the bit where um at the baptism of Jesus where the voice says, You are my beloved, in you I am well pleased. Mm. And I don't think that's about Jesus. I think Jesus is representative of, you know, humanity in that. And I think that's what we have to hear. I think everyone has to hear that, the trans people in particular. So we need to know ourselves as beloved, as holy, yeah. and then all sorts of things can happen. And, that, and it's interesting in the gospels because the temptations come sort of after that. And, and they're real, aren't they? The sufferings and struggles mm. of our life. But mm. if you are beloved, and that's the way I see Jesus was able to triumph over temptations because he, she, they knew that they were 
blood and holy, and, um, which didn't mean so they didn't struggle on everything. And so if we know that, so even in the midst of struggle, that we're holy, and that's why I think we, you know, need to take time to to know that, you know, to pray or ha be with people or be in spaces or find the places that will enable us to know that we're we're loved and beloved. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Blessed Are the Binary Breakers. It really means so much to me to get to share these stories with you all and to know that people are listening to them. But there's still a pretty small following for this podcast. If you get something out of it and it's safe for you to spread the word that it exists, please do so. On top of doing that, please rate and review um, this podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get it because that is also a wonderful way to spread this podcast further. Along with sharing your time in that manner, you can also share some of your finances with me. If you're interested in becoming a patron of this podcast and the other work I do on the internet, please go to Queerly Christian on Patreon to set up a monthly donation. The people who are currently donating at the $12 per month level or higher are Willow Hoving, Rosina Page, Ron Hartzler, and Jay Gebner, who just joined my Patreon. Thank you so much, Jay, and to every other patron. The last thing I want to mention um, before wrapping up this episode um, is just a reminder that I currently have a call out for more interviewees, um, specifically if you are um, a trans woman, trans feminine, or otherwise assigned male at birth, and or you are a person of color, I really want to amplify your voices because too often yours are the voices that are most silenced. So if you are interested in sharing your story on this podcast, please email me at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com. And Anyone else who just wants to chat or has any questions or feedback, ideas for how I can improve this podcast, you're also welcome to email me there. It would mean a lot to me if folks would just email um, to tell me what they like about it, um, if there's something they don't like about it, or just to say hi and tell me who you are. That'd be really cool. Because um, so far, I haven't really had many listeners interact with me, and I just think that would be fun. So um, drop by my gmail or at queerlychristian.tumblr.com anytime just to say hi if you want um that's all i've got for you all remember that the next episode will be out not next tuesday but the one after that um and that's how it'll be from now on every other tuesday you can expect another episode in the meantime go break some diamonds and be a blessing to the world with your life